Welcome. In this Word of Truth podcast, we're going to be looking at amartiology, that is the study of sin, looking at sin. Uh, We're going to look at sin and the results of the fall. Amartiology is the theological study of sin, and it comes from the New Testament Greek word amartia, which means to miss the mark. This is where we get the idea that sin is missing the mark of God's standard, Romans 3.23, and the truth that without a solution for our sin, we are damned to eternity in hell. While some people are uncomfortable with the consequences and topics like sin, the concept of bad decisions leading to judgment is widely understood throughout history, including the literature not even associated with theology. Merriam-Webster offers expanded insight to the term hamartia, saying, Aristotle introduced a term in the Poetics to describe the error of judgment, which ultimately brings down the tragic hero. This helps us see that even in sources outside of the Bible, an error in judgment and missing the mark leads to the downfall of an individual. This is what makes the gospel so important. We need a Savior to solve our problem of sin and eternal judgment. Now let's start looking at the biblical connection. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 is one of the foremost key verses in helping people understand that every person has sinned and has missed the mark set by God. Romans 6.23 explains that the wages of sin is death. This conveys the serious condemnation that results from sin. For the believer in Jesus, there is no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, because we've been justified by faith in Jesus Christ, Romans 3, 24 to 26. Romans 5, 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5.12 explains that every single person born is stained with sin because of Adam and Eve. All humans need Jesus in order to be saved from the effects and condemnation of sin. The study of amartiology is one of the most important because it helps us understand how we sin, why we sin, and the effects of sin. Those who insist that we are all inherently good in our hearts and simply need help tapping into our goodness would do well to study hamartiology. They will find that nothing good is within us, which is why we need God to transform us from the inside out. So like we mentioned, we are now studying hamartiology, the doctrine of sin. Uh, This podcast will deal with the matter of sin as it is related to God and to man as a tripartite being. God is trinity. Man was made in the image of God, a trinity, and we must deal with this when discussing this matter of sin. Man has three separate distinct parts. The distinctions may be slight, but they exist nevertheless. Man is made of a body, soul, and spirit. It is true that in many passages in the Old Testament, it seems the soul and the spirit might be used interchangeably. But there are other passages where this absolutely is impossible. One of the most important truths in the Word of God, the truth that deals with man as a tripartite being. By tripartite, we mean a trichotomy, that man has three parts, 
body, soul, and spirit. This constitutes the trinity of man, which is patterned after the trinity of God. There are two passages that clearly teach that man has three parts to him, so the term dichotomy is a very inappropriate term for the makeup of man. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 tells us man is a spirit, a soul, and a body. That verse clearly states that man has three separate distinct parts. The distinctions might be slight in the mind, but they exist nevertheless. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, Hebrews 4.12. The words are different in English. They are different in Hebrew. They are different in Greek. So they cannot possibly be the same. The word for the body in Greek is soma. The word for the body in Hebrew is the word you see related to kosher, uh, used in the term of kosher foods or kosher meat. It's the word basar. The word for soul in Greek is psyche, the famous root word for psychology. Uh, The word for soul in Hebrew is nephesh. The word for spirit in Greek is pneuma, and the word for spirit in Hebrew is ruach. Man has a body, man has a soul, and man has a spirit. Even though, again, it could be slight differences, man has three parts, body, soul, and spirit. God has three parts. God is Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are three heavens mentioned in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 12.2, the Bible is written in three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. The Trinity's pattern is found throughout the universe. Space is width, breadth, and length. Time is past, present, and future. You have heaven, earth, and hell. You find the pattern of three over and over and over again. It is in most everything. God is Trinity, and therefore everything that is real that has to do with God, is composed of three parts. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, in three persons. Man is made after the image of God. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth, there is his body, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, there is his spirit, and man became a living soul, there is the soul, Genesis 2.7. Man is a tripartite being. Some people teach that the soul and the spirit are two words meaning the same thing, but they are definitely divisible, according to Hebrews 4.12. The two different words in a Bible never mean the same thing exactly. It is true that in many passages of Scripture, it seems the term soul and the term spirit are used interchangeably, but there are other passages where this is impossible. Now, there are four spirits delineated in the Word of God. These spirits are the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit the spirit of Satan called the unclean spirit, the spirit of man, and then we had the spirit of the beast that go downward to the earth. This means quite naturally and quite logically that all men have the same spirit until they are born again. It is the spirit of man, an unsaved, unregenerate, dead in trespasses and sins, darkened, unenlightened spirit. This must be born again, for that which is born of the spirit is spirit, the Gospel of John says. When Adam sinned, it was his spirit that died, not his soul. The Lord told Adam that he would die in the day that he ate thereof. And throughout the New Testament, you find constant references to the fact that the unsaved man is dead in trespasses and sins. The flesh and the spirit are defiled. 
He is utterly destitute of any godlike quality. The only thing that is left is the old spirit, and that is a dead spirit that needs to be born again. Now, the body of man is one thing that we are all acquainted with and and know about without any problem. The spirit gives man God consciousness, the soul gives man self-consciousness, and the body gives man world consciousness. The body of man, our flesh, bones, and blood, was made of the dust of the ground originally, and this explains why we rot, we disintegrate, and we go back to the dirt. This is the part of man that which we are the most familiar. The physical part of man, David says in Psalm 139, 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The body has five senses. It can see, it can hear, it can taste, it can touch, and it can smell. It is not until a man is born again by the Holy Spirit of God that he gets a quote-unquote sixth sense. The sixth sense is a spiritual sense. This sixth sense enables a man to love things that he cannot see, that he cannot hear, that he cannot taste, touch, and smell. Now, after the fall, the body became a slowly dying, death-doomed body because the spirit in it had already died. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Ever since the fall of man, man is born with an appointment with death. And as one of the ancient philosophers said, until you are ready to die, you are not ready to live. Death is the big appointment that you must face. It is the one you must be prepared for. If you are not prepared for meeting death, then you are in trouble because you have an appointment with him. Now, the dictionary calls sin a transgression. It's an evil, it's a violation of the accepted moral, religious, or social code. Sin is a lack of conformity to the character of God, whether in act or state. That is why an atheist can do nothing but live in sin all of his life. And if you've noticed, those that deny a God oftentimes are those that like to do a lot of good works. They like to help people. They are, in a way, trying to atone for their sins, trying to earn something after death. But sin is a hopelessly incurable disease that we cannot work to get past, that we cannot do good deeds to atone for. Sin is a hopelessly incurable disease of the soul, characteristic of the old nature. Sin is the transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4. Sin can be an act like sins. The breaking of the law or a commandment is a sin. And Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15.3. Sin can be a state, the fallen state of man without righteousness, the natural condition of every man. Sin is a nature. Man is born dead in trespasses and sins. According to the New Testament, men are by nature the children of wrath, and they are the children of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 2 2-3. That is the Bible picture of man, and that is contrary to the picture given by every major religious leader and political leader in the world. The Bible picture of men is totally negative. The world system, trying to live and die without Christ and get along without Christ, must maintain a peak mountaintop of morale 
built on convincing itself it is all right when it is not all right. Paul, the great uh, negative thinker, I guess you could say, of Christianity, after telling his congregation to think on those things which are pure and lovely and had virtue, said Christ died for us to save us from this present evil world. Philippians 4, 8, Galatians 1, 4. The same apostle that said, Charity suffereth long and is kind, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, 1 Corinthians 13, 3-4, that great chapter of love, that same apostle said that before you were saved, you were without God, without hope, alone in the world. You were dead in trespasses and sins under the wrath of God, by nature a child of wrath and a child of disobedience, and with your conscience and mind defiled, and your hands swift to shed blood, and feet swift in running to mischief. Ephesians 2, Romans 3, Proverbs 6. Sin entered the world through Adam, and it originated with Satan. This is explained in James 1.14, where we read, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It originated with Satan in Isaiah chapter 14, and entered the world through Adam, according to Romans 5.12. The facts of sin are given in Genesis chapter 3, where you couldn't miss them. The sinner, first of all, listens to the slanders against God and doubts what God said. The first step in the sin of any nation is to doubt what God said. The first sin committed on this earth was to subtract from what God said. And the second sin on this earth was to add to what God said. Now, a transgression is the overstepping of the law. An iniquity is an act inherently wrong or forbidden. Error is a departure from right, missing the mark, the failure to meet the divine standards. Trespassing is the intrusion of the self-will into the sphere of God's authority. Lawlessness is spiritual anarchy, the sin of omission. Unbelief, it is an insult to the divine veracity or truthfulness of God. An evil heart of unbelief, as the Bible says. There are over 50 different sins mentioned in the Word of God. In Romans chapter 1, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Colossians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 5, and Mark chapter 7. Sin cannot be hidden, the Bible tells us. It says, be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers 32, 23. Also, in Proverbs 28, 13, God's word says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now the results of sin are death, the losing of the soul, condemnation, guilt, perdition, shame, remorse, punishment, eternal fire and hell, and in the lake of fire. The only remedy for sin is the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. You can call sin error, you can call it a mistake, you can call sin a lack of judgment, or a lack of appreciation, or, or a misunderstanding of the concept of reality. You can call sin many different things. You can call sin many different things, but the truth is sin is still sin. Just because we call it something else does not mean it is something else. Sin is still sin, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Bible also says, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, if you are not saved, 
you're on your road to hell. Uh, and if we're on our road to hell, we need to remember that God, that Christ died for us. The just died for the unjust, and Christ bore our sins on his own body on the cross, that us being dead to sin might have that opportunity to live unto righteousness, for in him there is no sin. He did no sin. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not, Ecclesiastes 7.20. We are all sinners in need of that Savior. Now, those that are listening, all of us, we need to understand that our sin will find us out. Sin will bring about death. Sin will bring about damnation. Sin brings about guilt. Sin will bring about eternal punishment in the fire of hell and the lake of fire burning forever. The Bible says that man is full of adultery, fornication, stealing, lying, covetousness. The Bible says men are drunkards, revilers, extortioners. It says we are full of unrighteousness, full of wickedness, full of maliciousness, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God. Despiteful, we're proud, we're boasters, we're inventor of evil things, we're covenant breakers, and we're truce breakers. That does not sound like we are on our way to heaven naturally. That sounds like we need someone to do something for us so that we can get to heaven. Now, in the Bible, the word is sin. It is not called error. It is not called a, a lack of God consciousness. It's not called a I just, I, I made a mistake. It is called sin. The Bible defines sin as all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness is sin, 1 John five seventeen. It is not right, it is sin. If it is not right, it is sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. There has not lived a man upon this earth that has not gone through that peculiar cycle thinking where he imagines he is an exception to the rule. Your sin will find you out. Now, sin began by doubting what God said, Genesis chapter 3. It began by taking from the word of God and adding to the word of God and, dis- and then disobeying the words of God. Sin is defined in Psalm 51.1 as a transgression, in Psalm 51.9 as an iniquity. 1 John 5.17 is coming short of the mark. In 1 Timothy 1.9, it is lawlessness. In Hebrews 3.12, it is unbelief. The list of sins will be found in Exodus chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Romans chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Colossians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 5, Mark chapter 7. The Bible tells us the result of sin is death, physical death, and spiritual death. The man is lost to God. He is lost from heaven. Guilt comes in. But the guilt complex is a very healthy and very necessary thing. We need to feel that guilt from time to time. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. The Bible also says that Jesus Christ will purge your conscience from dead works. He'll purge our conscience from dead works. So there are all kinds of ways to get around this problem of sin and preaching against sin. People say sin is old-fashioned. People think sin 
maybe some horrible thing that that maybe Charles Manson did, but the things I do in my life, that's not sin. Those are mistakes, or those are just shortcomings, or, or, or that's just the way I am. Do you know the difference between Charles Manson, as far as Sid is concerned, and the greatest person you can ever think of? You think this person is just a giant. He is, this person is so good. You know the greatest difference between that Charles Manson, that person you think is so, so great. Now, do you know the difference between a Charles Manson and like the most righteous person you can think of, the greatest person you can think of, the difference between, say, a Karl Marx and a, a Billy Graham, the, the difference between uh, the most evil sinner you could think of, you think, man, that man is just the epitome of evil, the difference between Osama bin Laden and, say, the greatest, most righteous uh, preacher or pastor or, or Christian you can think of, do you know what the difference is between them as far as what the Bible says? The Bible says in Romans three twenty two to 23, there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no difference. Sin is sin. There is no difference. Now, what is the remedy for sin? What is the remedy for sin? The remedy for sin in the word of God is the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. In John 1.29, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 John 3, 5, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No man can cleanse himself from sin. Job said in Job 9, 30-31, If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall pour me. God said to the Israelites in Jeremiah 2, 22, For though thou wash thee with nitre, and take thee much soap, yet thy iniquity is marked before me, saith the Lord God. There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 22, 23. All are in need of a Savior, no matter how bad and evil you think they are, no matter how great and good you think they are. There is no difference. We all need a savior. In the Bible, do you know what a murderer is listed with? That murderer is listed with disobedience. It's listed with profanity. It's listed in the same group of sins as getting drunk, as stealing, as lying, as coveting things that don't belong to you. That is why we say, and we'll repeat over and over again, that's why I'm stressing this point so much, There is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you're a murderer or if you just think about things you want. You covet things every now and then. That's the biggest sin you do is just, man, I wish I had that or wish I had that. Or if you have a serial killer or Osama bin Laden or Charles Manson, the Bible says there is no difference as far as sin is concerned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need our sin paid for. We all need that remedy of sin. So what is the remedy for sin? 
The born-again, Bible-even Christian has the only remedy that will meet the requirements of the problem of sin, and that remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1.7 and 1 John 1.7. No man is without sin. Therefore, every man needs a Savior. Every man needs a personal Savior. Why do we need a personal Savior? Because we're a person. The Scripture has concluded that all have sinned. Second, Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, hath made him, that is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, or in Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that something? If you are not saved, you need a Savior from sin. You need to be saved. The Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have got to have the righteousness of Jesus Christ put on your account if you are to be saved. Now, we've said this is a study of sin, or hamartiology, and we should note this thing about sin. Sin is still sin. The wages of sin is still death. They always have been. It always will be the wages of sin. Be sure your sin will find you out, the Bible says. If it doesn't find you out in your home or family, it will find you out in your character. If it doesn't find you out there, it will find you out in your mind. And it will find you out at the judgment. And eventually it will find you out in hell. Be sure your sin will find you out. We should not be trying to deceive ourselves into thinking that we will get away with it somehow. No man ever gets away with sin without a sin being paid for, either by Jesus Christ or eternally paid for by themselves in hell, burning in torments in hell. You will not get away with it. The wisest man that ever lived said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. God sees and uncovers hidden sins like the sin of Adam, the sin of Cain, the sins of Achan, Ananias, and Sapphira. They were all uncovered and brought to light. Not only will the sin be uncovered, but the sinner will be revealed too. There is only one hiding place, and as the Lord Jesus Christ, a shadow of a mighty rock in a weary land, that is the place we hide. Now we're going to try to tie all this together and talk about that remedy of sin and, and kind of conclude and, and summarize our, our, our podcast, our word of truth about martiology and the results of the fall of man. Now that remedy for sin, the key to that remedy for sin is new birth. To possess that eternal life, we need a new birth. John 3 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. John 3 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. Now, born again, this means a birth from above. The new birth is not religion, it's not church membership, it's not baptism, it's not confirmation, it's not keeping the Ten Commandments, it's not living by the golden rule or even living a good moral life. 
Nicodemus was a very religious man in the Bible, according to man's standards. He was a good man. Yet Jesus informed him unless he experienced a second birth, unless he was born again, he could not enter the kingdom of God. The new birth is not anything we do, but something God does for us. Remember, the Bible says there is no difference. It doesn't matter if you're a very moral, religious person or you're the worst of the worst sinners we can think of. There is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, two births are under consideration. We, we are born, and then we need to be born again. Uh, John 6, 63 says, it, the spirit, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Romans 8, 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 7, 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good I find not. Nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. John six sixty three. Before experiencing a new birth, all of us are unprofitable. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. If God's Son says the flesh profiteth nothing, then it profits nothing. Now, we cannot please God. This means that even though a person joined the church, was baptized, confirmed, paid his debts, was a very good moral religious person, he could not please God with his fleshly birth. These statements profiteth nothing, uh, and also cannot please God, do not tell us what is wrong with this first birth or our first nature. However, there is another passage of Scripture that gives us a perfect portrait of this nature. It is easy to comprehend why a holy God must reject the fleshly birth when we take a look at this repulsive nature. Now, let's look at this portrait of this fleshly nature or this repulsive fleshly nature, or this sinful nature we are born with. Galatians 5.19 Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, impurity, lasciviousness, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, strife, emulations, jealousy, wrath, strife, divisions, seditions, factions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. They that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul draws a strong contrast here. Galatians five twenty-two to twenty-three says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law." All these evils Paul mentioned in that first passage I read are in our everyday society. Here we have a catalog of 17 evils in one cluster. This is the operation of the fleshly nature man was born with. It's the first birth, the first, our, our sin nature, the first birth. Jesus added other sins to this list in Mark seven twenty two, such as theft, covetousness, that is the love of money, blasphemy, using God's name in vain, Cursing received a death penalty in the Old Testament, Leviticus twenty four twenty three. So why would a person blaspheme the God who made him? The answer is sin. That's that first nature. We have that nature, that first nature is contrary to God, is against God. Because the carnal mind is 
enmity against God, Romans 8, 7, or is just naturally against God. This fleshly nature is an enemy of God. Colossians 1, 21 tells us that. So we have that first birth, that physical birth, it's our, our natural physical birth without that second birth, without being saved. It's just, it's just naturally against God. Now, the sinful fleshly nature originated with Adam. Romans 5, 19, for it is by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. This verse covers the whole scope of redemption. The two federal headships of the human race are under consideration, Adam and Christ. One man's disobedience. Because Adam ate of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, he received not only the death penalty, but also a fallen sinful nature. His first son Cain murdered his own brother Abel. All inherited Adam's sinful nature. No one is born with a righteous nature. We're all born naturally with a sinful nature. We inherit that from Adam. There is none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. This describes man's condition under sin before experiencing the new birth, Romans 3.9. No one could live a righteous life with only a sinful nature. Remember, there is no difference. Matters know how, how great you think you live and then how evil you think someone else lives. There is no difference. Uh, by the obedience of one, Christ was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Philippians 2.8. The moment God imparts the righteous nature as a result of being born again, 2 Peter 1.4, the blood of Christ removes all guilt of sin from soul and conscience unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, Revelation 1.5. Everyone has a will of his own which gives us or gives them the power of making a choice. We can make that free will choice. We have our, our own will. We can make that choice. If we make the choice of rejecting God's sacrifice through the death of his son, we must then pay our own sin debt. The sin debt is death, which leads us to our next point. The person who rejects the atoning sacrifice of Christ experiences the wages of sin. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Revelation 20.14-15, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Wages of sin. Let's think about that. Wages is something earned. Sin does pay, it pays death. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death, James 1.15. Death. Death in the Bible implies separation from God. The first death is separation from God when the lost person dies. The second death is separation from God in the lake of fire. Now that lake of fire. To think of eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone, uh, present in a physical body that would never be annihilated, but would burn forever, is more than our minds can stand to think about, that we can even fathom to think about. And this is not just for 10 years, or 100 years, or 1,000 years, or a million years, or 
a billion years or even a trillion years, but this is forever and ever and ever, for all eternity. Hell is a place of no mercy. The rich man was denied a drop of water, Luke 16, 24. Hell is a place of no mercy, a place of eternal burning and fire, a place of torments, a place that we are tormented by our memories, our memories of rejecting Christ. Now, the good news, the good news is the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9, 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. Now, we are saved by faith, not of works. We all need to be saved. We're all sinners. We all need to be saved. We're all sinners, and we are saved by faith, not of works. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We are saved through faith. Faith brings the soul in contact with God. Faith plays a vital part in obtaining salvation. The lost person must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, Acts 8.37. Born of a virgin, Matthew 1.23. Died on the cross for our sins, 1 Corinthians 15.3. Rose again the third day, 1 Corinthians 15.4. The evidence, he was seen of Cephas, of the twelve, of five hundred, and one gathering, 1 Corinthians 15.5-6. His resurrection is true prophetically, Psalm 16.10, X 2.27. It's true historically, X 1.3-4. And it's true experimentally, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are saved by faith in the blood shed for us, in the death, resurrection, and eternal life of Jesus Christ. He lived, he died, he was buried, he rose again the third day. We are saved by faith in what Christ has done for us. And that salvation is not of works. Something a man's nature desires to earn salvation. He supposes if he has a good religion, lives by the golden rule, does the best that he can, these things help to attain heaven. There are two reasons good works do not help earn salvation. A person could not, with a fallen, fleshly, sinful nature, Produce a good work to meet God's approval, Romans 8.8. Good works do not remove sin, only blood does, Hebrews 9.22. Good works follow salvation, Ephesians 2.10, but do not help to attain salvation. Christ paid our sin debt. Christ died as our substitute, Romans 5.8. But God commit his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. The just for the unjust. The just one here is Christ. He is perfect. The unjust are all of us. We are all guilty. And all the world may become guilty before God, Romans 3.19. Jesus died as our substitute, the innocent for the guilty, the just for the unjust. Fourteen indictments are brought against man in God's criminal court trial in Romans 3, 9 and 19. I encourage you to read those. Fourteen indictments are brought against man, and the penalty for that sin is death. Imagine yourself being found guilty in a criminal court. You get the death penalty. You are on death row awaiting the day of execution. A friend goes to the governor of the state to plead for your release. 
The governor insists that the law is based upon justice, and the crime demands a payment. The innocent replies, if there is no other alternative, I will die in his place. I will die in my friend's place. God saw us all guilty. Jesus volunteered to come and die in our place. Now we can be set free from the law of sin and death if we accept the pardon on his terms. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for his friends. Jesus calls us his friends. We can be made free from the penalty of our sins. John eight thirty six says, If the Son therefore make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus can make us free from that penalty of sin. Legally, this sin debt cannot be charged to our account if we accept his salvation on his terms. His terms are repentance and faith. Acts 20, 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Acts 17, 30. In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Repentance means the lost person must be willing to turn from his own personal ambitions in life and turn to God and his way of life as prescribed in the scriptures. Repentance involves renouncing self and being willing to live for the Creator. It means our purpose in life is to honor him. Sin makes every mortal man self-centered. Basically, every sinner does just what he wants to do instead of doing what God wants him to do. We have turned everyone to his own way, Isaiah 53, 6. Repentance is turning from our way to God's way. Repentance is turning from sin which is our way, and turning to God, accepting that payment on his behalf. Repentance is turning from sin, which is God's enemy, with a desire to be God's friend. The person who repents and surrenders says, Not my will, but thine be done. A genuinely saving faith simply means, I am a sinner with a fallen sinful nature. I am helpless and cannot save myself. Therefore, I will put my trust in the Savior who died for me on the cross. I will accept him as my risen Lord, and salvation is offered as a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, but we must accept that free gift. First John 1 John 1.12, But as many as receive him, that is Jesus, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Then Romans 10.9 simply says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You just simply need to believe. You simply just need to say a prayer something like this or or verbalize something like this or pray something like this or just and express it to the Lord. But I'm just going to read you just a sample prayer, but it just say something like this, believe something like this in your own words. Now this sample prayer is, O God, I acknowledge to thee that I am a lost sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. By faith I receive him as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive me for all my sins. Give me assurance I am saved. Help me love the Lord Jesus and obey his word. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so simple to be saved. Well, this wraps up our Word of Truth podcast on Hamartiology or 
the results of the fall of man and the results of sin and the fall of man. This will be our second podcast in our series that we've titled Salvation 101. We're probably going to have at least 10 to 15 uh, podcasts or, or messages in that series and eventually put them all together on one website and have it accessible that way. But I thank you for listening. And if you know of anybody that could benefit from uh, this podcast, please share that with them. And again, thank you uh, for listening and joining us again in this Word of Truth, this Epic Word of Truth podcast on Amartiology.